From the capital city, I'm Ken Smith. The wet and windy weather continues through the weekend. It's not a good time to be out on your boat, says Juno Harbormaster Matt Creswell. Looking like a very wet and windy weekend. Uh, not going to be conducive to much recreation on the water. Not a whole lot going on anyway right this time of January, but we do ask that anybody that has a boat in the water gets down here, checks their boats, checks their lines, make sure their lines are tight, their boat's not rubbing anywhere it shouldn't be, and make sure their bilges are pumped and they're not taking on excessive water because we've got two or three days here where we're expecting really, really two days. Today and tomorrow is the, the most wind, and we're expecting southerly winds, uh, 25 with occasional gusts of 50 over by Young Bay, but... Uh, Downtown will be pretty windy out of the south. Alk Bay should be fairly sheltered unless it blows southwest, and then we'll be looking at a little more dynamic situation in, in Alk Bay. So if everybody can get down early, check their boats, and make sure everything's safe, we'll have a good weekend, and we'll have to come in for any emergency responses. Governor Mike Dunleavy was on Action Line as well this week. Among the topics discussed was carbon legislation that he introduced this year. He explains there are three ways to monetize carbon in Alaska. One is through the trees, such as uh, what has occurred in the, the native corporations, especially here in southeast, the sea Alaska. One is through kelp and seaweed that sequesters carbon off our coasts. And one is to actually put physical carbon, uh, capture it before it uh, comes out of the oil wells or is burned, and then deposit it into the basins. The bill that we're, we're introducing would enable the administration to be able to have conversations with those that want to monetize carbon, carbon uh, uh, credit outfits, uh, carbon markets, et cetera, to be able to do business in Alaska. And the, uh, the projected upside for Alaska is in the tune of hundreds of millions, if not billion, uh, billions of dollars, actually, we've got offers for, to be able to, uh, to, to do tax credits, tax transfer credits, uh, uh, carbon sequestration, et cetera. And so the legislation would enable us to have discussions with outfits and then to construct contracts if it looks like it's in the best interest of Alaska. But this is a new and emerging um, um, commodity and it's Alaska could be one of the, if not one of the top players in the entire world to capitalize on this. He offers a scenario of the process using forest land to collect carbon credit. They'll come in and they'll rate your forest. They'll, they'll examine your forest. They'll determine how much carbon, uh, how much carbon, a ton of carbon per acre, et cetera. They'll calculate all that. And then they'll, uh, they'll give a figure that they'll pay if we uh, maintain the trees. That's the one aspect, uh, you know, if we maintain the trees. There's no transfer of land. There's no transfer of rights. It would be as if you were a landowner and you had a lilac bush in your backyard that bloomed in the summertime and your neighbor liked it. But you were saying, you know, I may have to cut that down because I have a better use for that tree or that part of the property. And the neighbor says, hey, I'll tell you what, if you don't do that, um, we will uh, we'll pay you not to uh, disturb that tree because the aesthetics in that case, but in the, the case we're talking about in Alaska, it's the carbon sequestration that people are after. So we retain the land, we retain the rights. So we hunt, we fish, we do everything we want in the lands. Um, if, uh, if, if, a, if a contract is structured, we just agree that X amount of acres in X amount of sections would not, uh, would not be harvested for timber, and uh, we would then be compensated for that carbon. The governor says the carbon credit is a win-win for everyone, and the revenue it generates can be used to provide funding for multiple programs in Alaska. Coming up on News of the North, the Native Youth Olympics are returning to Juneau for its sixth year. The flu is in decline, and trash fees are going up in Juneau February 1st. 
Those stories coming up. Welcome back to News of the North. The Native Youth Olympics are returning to Juno for its sixth year. Jazz Garrett has the details. Kyle Worrell is a coach for the Native Youth Olympics. He has been coaching for six years and an athlete for 14 years. He talked to News of the North and gave a background on the traditional games. Our sixth annual traditional games. It's an event hosted by Sea Alaska Heritage in collaboration with Central Council Clinton Haida. And the event includes about 10 traditional games that draw their origins from various indigenous cultures of the North or the Arctic. Most of the games that are really well known, like the high-kicking games, those ones come specifically from the Inupiaq people of the northernmost region of Alaska and their neighbors or relatives in Canada, the Inuit, all the way into Greenland. This is a regional qualifying event so a team can go to the statewide games. Worrell says registration is open starting at 11 years old. They have a middle school division, a high school division, and an adult division. No experience is needed to register. The event is April 1st and 2nd at Thunder Mountain High School and the day generally runs about 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day. It is free admission, so welcome spectators to watch and learn about the game. And registration is currently also open online, so you can register online. You can register as a team or as an individual. You can find information on our website, traditionalgames.sealaskaheritage.org. At least 10 games will be held over the two days. Participants who register by March 1st are eligible to win a seal skin kicking ball in a drawing. The majority of teams are here in Southeast, from Skagway down to Metlakatla, but Worrell says they also invite athletes from Nome, Anchorage, Bethel, and Homer. Worrell explains how the Native Youth Olympics aren't just a game. Each game holds great cultural significance. There really is a story behind each one of the games. For example, the scissor broad jump is a four-step broad jump, but it is supposed to be practiced for jumping on ice floats. So it's a survival skill game. Or we have the seal hop that mimics a seal hopping on the ice. But it was also actually a hunting technique back in the day before rifles. And they had their harpoons and they had to sneak up to the seal without scaring it off. Even here in southeast Alaska, that may not be from indigenous cultures up north like the Nupiaq or the Inuit. But participants that may be Alaska Native like Clinkett or Haida really identify with the games. It really holds similar cultural values here in southeast Alaska. We were hunters and gatherers as well. And we had to work together for that successful hunt. A new dump fee goes into effect February 1st. Juneau City and Borough Assemblyman Wade Bryson was on Action Line. He explains the change ahead. They're now going to a minimum weight. So if you had anything other than a six-foot bed, when you came in, they weighed your vehicle with the trash before you went in, and then they weighed you after you dumped all your trash, and then they charged you. It was around 11 cents for just like every you and I, 11 cents a pound. I think this new rate, the minimum is a thousand pounds and the rate's 12 cents a pound. Um, so the new minimum is going to be $120. Even if I have a six foot bed or if I have an eight foot bed or if I show up with a trailer, if I'm not hitting a thousand pounds, I'm paying that minimum of $120 plus tax. There's a public works and facility meeting Monday night, and he says they will be delving into the change of fee at the dump, as well as other issues of trash, like the introduction of composting and recycling. 
The composting, he says, has funding. We have funding to increase composting capabilities. Um, we're trying to figure out how can we encourage and make it easier to recycle. Um, the assembly, uh, we had public works take a look at what level of incineration was available. And um, man, we just didn't get good answers on that. Um, as we, the trash problem gets larger and larger, a few years go by, I think that we should probably explore incineration again. I think incineration would be a solution for not only Juno, uh, Juno's trash problem, but right now Skagway has to ship their trash and they ship it down south. Well, if we had an incinerator, you could ship your trash over to Juno and we just burn your trash for you. It'd be a lot cheaper for other southeast Alaskan cities. A flu season that started early seems to be losing steam. ABC's Dave Packer reports. There's no doubt that the flu season's been deadly. Since it started in early October, flu has sickened at least 25,000 people, sent 270,000 people to the hospital, and taken some 17,000 lives. But there is some encouraging news from the CDC. A new report showing the U.S. is now in the second month of steep declines of flu illnesses across the country. But health experts are keeping an eye on the numbers warning that a possible winter increase could still happen in the weeks ahead. Dave Packer, ABC News. Never miss a story or a newscast by radio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Ken Smith for News of the North.